Welcome back, people. This is Don't Sleep on the Couch Podcast. I'm your boy, Mr. Prez, and with me always, but definitely not today, is Cash, the other half of this collective. Uh, Cash is, you know, had to do a little vacation, last vacation time while he out there in Europe, exploring the world, exploring the world, doing whatever most people should do. It's going to end up on summertime. Go spend time with your families and everything. Cash, I hope you're enjoying yourself out there. I won't be holding it down today. Uh, first off for the new people who ain't never heard of us and don't know what we do. Don't sleep on the couch podcast. It's a podcast about sports, music, and culture. What culture? Black culture. That's what we hang our hat on. Uh, with that said, this is episode 163. We gave y'all a double, uh, episode last week, uh, breaking down the Kendrick Lamar on this week's episode. We're going to get back a little bit to normal. Uh, breaking down our sports and uh, music. So this week in sports, we're going to talk about Nick Saban going off at his little presser with the, with the boosters. Going to go a little in-depth on that. We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. Uh, as of this recording right now, the game just went off. Uh, game four with Miami versus uh, versus the Heat. And we're going to discuss a little bit of that. And then we're going to hit on a couple of albums. We got uh, T The Truth with Odyssey. You got Bodie James with Real and Real Batman with uh, Killing Nothing. Got I Am God, Murder Castle. Then we got a couple singles that we're going to hit on from Deontay Hitchcock and uh, Lupe Fiasco. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's start off with the uh, sports uh, since this was like my highlight of the week, man. I don't know if y'all that in tune with college sports, but Nick Saban came out and said a couple of comments at a presser in Alabama. Well, it wasn't even much really a presser. It was like a meeting that he had with the boosters, kind of solicited more money for from the boosters because in the new landscape of college football with the new NIL and how that's kind of playing out and how things are rapidly changing and how you recruit and what recruits are looking for. I'll give you a quick little snippet provided by AL.com. That was an excerpt from Nick Saban in his comments uh, to the boosters. Difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player, all right? But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So... Um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if y'all if y'all like me, but I just got to laugh at this, man, because uh, it's good to see Alabama struggle. It's good to see here them whine, cry, and everything else, man. Like, Alabama is the tip top of college football. 
Like they have been getting the number one recruiting class. Hell, they done put a lot of players in the league. Uh, they are the mountaintop that everybody's trying to get over. I mean, I'm an Auburn fan, right? But like, come on, let's let's be honest. That's looking at the landscape of uh, things, man. They they'd have been to several championships in the past couple of years, so they are the New England Patriots of this college football thing right now. They got a dynasty. They they don't make it there every year, but. I mean, <laughs> they they the one that everybody's trying to knock off. And they always going to seem to be into the playoffs because of, you know, who they are and the, the fan base that they're going to bring. They put out quality players, uh, all by uh, quarterbacks into the NFL. So, I mean, <laughs> so being a fan of Arvid is good to hear this team struggle and Nick Saban whine. He act like he hasn't been – on those uh, other sides over there trying to do the same thing when he was at LSU and then ran off into the league. You know what? This dude pretty much got a track record of running, and when they get to these little whining times, when times get tough, if he can't make it work in about a year or two, Bama, y'all may be a problem. Y'all may have a problem. Uh, <laughs> y'all may want to get rid of him before he kind of gets rid of y'all. Uh, so he's out here. Threw out some names, which I don't agree with. Uh, threw out Texas A&M. Uh, if y'all don't know, they Texas A&M beat Bama uh, last year. That was a big little upset. So he's probably still a little sour about that. This was before they had all this recruiting. This is before they saying they paid him all this money. So they was able to make strides and like taking them down, showing showing the kinks in the armor. Uh, that Georgia eventually and won a championship over them on, and. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree why he threw out Jackson State. He most people gonna say he was talking to Dion, but he was talking about Jackson State right here. That's from the clips I heard uh, that he was speaking out of Jackson State and saying what they was able to do. This is HBCU. You know how many recruits they actually get five star. This is like the first one, and they're making this a big deal. They're gonna try to hush that down. I, I, I don't like that little slide at all. I keep going at the others in the NCAA, in the uh, SEC, or any other Power Five over here, because like this is what y'all been doing for years, kind of battling. HBCUs are just building up. It's good that their voice and they feel a little bit threatened. I, I, I like that little aspect, and it make me uh, even prouder of what. Uh, Coach Prime been able to do over there down at Jackson State. Now, what what made this even better, man, this is a good way to start off the week on kind of like all the NFL news kind of dying down. They released the schedule, so it's going to be a while before they get into the actual training. We start getting a little feedback out of this. So in that football realm, this was like the, the kind of the business, man. So uh, this immediately elicited a response from uh, Texas A&M. Uh, they held a press conference and uh, let's get into a little excerpt about that, man. This is one that's provided by ESPN on Jimbo's Fisher press conference response. Here we go. You can, you can call me anything you want to call me. You ain't call me a cheat. I don't cheat and I don't lie. Cause I learned that when I was a kid, if you did, your old man slapped you side of the head. Maybe somebody should have slapped him. Yeah, that's one you. thing you don't. Now you're fooling with their name. That don't from a Texas A&M's name, you're saying with those kids' name and our name. Have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Uh, oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And uh, he shows you who he is. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when to. When you remember. got all the advantages, it's easy. 
Listen, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden and learn how to do things. You coach with other people and learn how not to do things. There's a reason people don't go, I ain't went back and worked for him. The operation and tactics of certain people who say them, and anybody who coached with him know them, and anybody out there in this business knows it, amazing. And what's funny, in that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing, wasn't it? When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. <laughs> Jimbo was heated, boy. Like he was saying, my name is my name. Don't you be playing with my name. I know we talking about name, image, and likeness, but mine is not to be played with. <laughs> He's ready to put everybody's business out there, you know, just because uh, Nick Saban want to go ahead and you want to show what's behind the curtain. Let's go ahead and show what's behind the curtain. <laughs> Man, uh, I love the response from him. I love that people ain't backing down, uh, ain't afraid to go up against Nick Saban. This is like showing, you know, on, on the field, they, they put together the perfect team and, you know, show that toughness. And now they're showing that toughness uh, on the ex, on the outside of that too, even in the coaching atmosphere. Uh, he obviously, he, he's very aware that, hey, Bama is a little shaken by this. You know, they're used to getting all the recruits. They're used to having their pick of the litter. This name, image, and likeness kind of done changed up the game a little bit for it. But uh, let's hear what uh, Dion had to say about the matter. And this one is off the I Am Athlete podcast. So uh, that's where Dion chose to speak at. And uh, I think he he represented us very well on here. Let's, uh, let's have a listen at what he said. That thing wasn't about me. When I look through the smoke and through the fire, Coach Saban used me and used Jimbo Fisher as pawns in his plea for help from his boosters and his donors. We were just pawns. Now, he was really going at his people to to up the ante so that he could outdo Coach Fisher. Now, they just threw me in the fire because of what we accomplished in uh, recruiting last year with Kevin Coleman and and, uh, Travis and some others. They they just threw us in the fire because he was the spokesman for all SEC and he was the spokesman for all the prior fives and the PWIs by saying, hey, y'all, we can't let that happen again now. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb. So I don't don't blame him, man. I know what he's trying to do. I saw through the bull jump. I really did. Man, I love this high road approach that came from uh, Coach Prime and what he's doing. You know, he's kind of shining the light on what this was really about. And, you know, (laughs) counter to what Jimbo Fisher's reaction was, even though I liked it, man, I liked the competitiveness of it, man. I really do appreciate the approach that Coach Prime chose to take on this and, you know, being the better person of it all and uh, kind of pointing out what it is and just saying. But he did reiterate later on in that podcast, you know, that where he was saying, like, hey, Nick Saban reached out to him to kind of apologize for throwing him in the mix. But he was just like, nah, you, you did it publicly. I want to – we got to meet publicly to, to hear out anything. I ain't doing nothing in private. Uh, and I, I respect that too as well. So – uh, Dion kind of shining a light on, you know, uh, what this was really about 
And uh, we'll go back and listen to some of the excerpts so you can truly take out what Nick Saban was trying to do and uh, who he was, the crowd he was speaking to. Because as Jimbo alluded to, he was speaking to his boosters, trying to get them to come out the pockets a little bit more, man. Bama is part of this landscape, and the way they used to do business is only going to work for so much longer uh, with all this money and stuff that's being thrown out there at these other schools now. Um, <laughs> you, you throw a couple millions in front of people, man, it's going to make them change their mind about where they want to commit and you can say you want them to go ahead and go to this school and that school for the education but these people <laughs> they see that they see those dollars and it's about time the ncaa finally start coming out the pockets and giving back to them a little bit more these coaches been seeing that money for the longest so uh, it was one more offshoot from this that we're not mentioning. It was Miami. He did mention Miami as well. As you, if you're aware, Miami basketball team has pretty much been paying each one. They're saying they're going to pay each one of their players on the basketball team a minimum of $400,000. So that's where he was getting at Miami and what they're doing with the name, image, and likeness. Overall, this name, image, and likeness, I think it's going to get a lot worse before it kind of get better. And it may stunt the NFL a little bit. So how would this hurt the NFL? Well, the NCAA kind of been like a breeding ground for these players and stuff like this. And uh, with them not being able to pay the players, they still, we everybody know they paid the players, but it's kind of hidden up under. So uh, the biggest one that they're going to talk about is Cam Newton getting a million dollars from Armin and winning the championship. That's kind of the unheard of or the unspoken little truth that's out there. But that's a million dollars for a quarterback. Now players are getting a million dollars. A million dollars is the going rate for a quarterback now. So uh, that price is only going to get higher and higher as they continue to compete. And some of these players that's uh, more of a journeyman quarterback but are awesome in college, uh, they'll probably be a journeyman in the, in the NFL. What I'm trying to get at is uh, if they're not a first clear-cut first-round draft pick, they could probably entice them with a little bit of money to make them go ahead and stay that that third and fourth year in, in college to come back again. And I think that is where the NFL is going to kind of run into problems, that that little feeding into the, the bigger system is going to slow down a little bit. So we'll probably get a little bit good thing in the NFL on these quarterbacks. We're getting longer run out of these quarterbacks because uh, I think the well is going to kind of dry up a little bit on how quickly – these players transcend to the uh, NFL because if I can entice you with a couple million dollars and you were probably a third round draft pick or hell, I mean, you could have been a Tom Brady or, uh, you know, a six, seven, uh, six round pick. And those players are definitely going to stay for another couple million dollars because why would they go, you know? So, uh, to clean this up and wrap this all up, let's go back and hear what Jimbo Fisher and Coach Prime was alluding to uh, with Nick Saban. Again, we're going to go from the AL.com uh, press conference that uh, they released uh, about Alabama, to him talking to his boosters, and he shines an excellent light on this whole NIL situation. Whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. And I have no problem with that. And nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys that got the money earned it. 
Now, there were only 25 guys on our team that had the opportunity to earn money. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Uh, and the coach actually knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, as they should, Nick, as anybody who's a fan of college sports or sports in general knowing how to college uh the ncaa has just been milking money from these athletes for so long so long and not paying them so it's it's in turn that they get their money now i'm proud i'm happy that these players are actually getting it i understand it's probably gonna have to be some little tweaking to actually fix what it is but now we can quit calling this that is all about education and saying all this nonsense no it's semi-pro and semi-pro players should be paid for what they do we're almost getting to the root cause of what nick saban was actually his main problem what was going on and why he's not liking this because let's not get it twisted man he got enticed to come back to college from the nfl so he was fine with getting paid but now when the players are getting paid this is a big big problem we're gonna run in all this man uh, like this this he need to stop with all that uh as you can tell, like he is getting afraid of the leveling of the playing field right now where him not just being able to get every recruit because he can go out there and say, we put this many people in the NFL and that's kind of what he do. That's a still good recruiting tool. But now so the, the other teams got something to fight back a little bit with, with, and we can guarantee you this much money. And that's, that's the main problem with uh, Nick's. Uh, that's his main gripe. That's his main gripe. Which he later leaked into the whole little conversation, and we'll release that little. We'll we'll go back to that here in just a second. But then that'll kind of wrap this up, man. Uh, I thought it was a great uh, week <laughs> for college football and the inner fighting, and kind of seeing how the the playing field is leveling a little bit. Nick Saban is, uh, you know, he's worried that these other teams are finally going to catch up to him. And what he would hate most of all, the whole reason I mentioned Jackson State, is the HBCUs to actually come up there and, you know, get into that little playing field because uh, what Coach Prime talked about even more in depth in that uh, I Am Athlete podcast, man, if they can kind of get the money up there and then at the same time show you that you could be around your people and – uh uh, still exceed or, or make it to these levels, then what is that going to change up for the SEC? A lot of people saying not much because like the money is there, but if they start putting uh, a cap or something on this and everybody kind of gets that, then hmm, could, could they actually creep up in there? I don't know. I know that's talking like years down the road. And then uh, we already know that, Coach Prime was thinking about going at well. He was in the hunt for the Florida State uh, head coaching job. So, how much longer do he stay at an HBCU? And then, the minute he leaves, does that mean the ESPN TV deals and all the stuff that he done built up does that sustain? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, 
yeah, let's go on and wrap this up, man. Here go the final little part, and you'll hear really why Nick Saban was, uh, you know, mentioning these names and uh, why he was a little bit scared that these other people were sniping talent. For most guys that graduate inside of four years. So we've done a good job of that. But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama that they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. And my theory on that is everything that we've done in college athletics has always been equal. Your scholarship is equal. They get equal Austin, Austin money. They get equal uh, cost of attendance. Uh, they get equal academic support. They get equal medical attention. Everything has always been equal. So I told our players, I said, we're going to have a collective, but everybody's going to get the same amount of opportunity from that collective. Now, you can go earn however much you want. And I tell the recruits the same thing, because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. And I don't know how you manage your locker room, and I don't know if this is a sustainable model, uh, because one of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut, I thinking I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. And then he's not going to play, and he's going to transfer, and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. All right, so I don't know how it works. <laughs> I had to go back to it. Stop saving. Ain't nothing equal in the NFL the players, the top tier players, get paid more than the coaches. Uh, this is getting out of hand. You get paid way more than this. You saying equal pay? It's not equal. You're you're still at the tip top, and let these people get their money. And yeah, you're. He was perfectly telling these boosters correctly. They're gonna get there, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna hound on him. That's what's gonna happen. They're gonna hound on Nick Saban, saying, "Let my guy play. I paid all this money for him." But hey, sometimes. You could pay these players, and the talent ain't going to live up to it. It's a, it's a gamble. It's kind of just like what the draft, you know, the the first-round draft picks don't always be the ones that pan out. But we didn't be labored on this uh, subject a little bit too long. So there you go. That's what our little thoughts is. So uh, let's go on to get into the NBA playoffs, man. So NBA playoffs, as I just spoke of, as I spoke at the beginning, uh, I just got done watching the the Celtics versus Heat game four, and yeah, man, the the Heat came back in dominance on that game, man. That was uh, uh this was after Miami had jumped up to a two one lead uh in the series. Uh, you had Jimmy Butler that went, got injured in game three, but the team was still able to rally and you know pull one off and. You got uh, you had Tatum and Smart both get hurt in that game three two and you know still kept it kind of tight. Uh, something I'm noticing in, in this playoff series, in this series specifically, is uh, you know Celtics when they lose, they ain't losing by much. But in turn, when they beat a team, man, they're, they're wiping them out. And that's what's kind of got me nervous about Miami's chances of actually, like, winning this whole series. I still think uh, the Celtics are going to pull it off. And a little bit into, like, what I'm talking about, man, uh, the Celtics game four was 102 to 82. And game three was 103 to 109. See, close on there. And then game two, they won again. Uh, that was 127 to 102. 
So I did a little digging, man. I was just like, man, Celtics continually like scoring over a hundred and yeah, they just scored over a hundred points every game since game one of the Bucks series. So, uh, and where in that same little time frame, Miami has been held under a hundred points for three games since then, including these two and, you know, a couple in uh, the other series. So, man, I, I really think that Miami's going to, I mean, that Boston is going to kind of pull this off. I know Miami is ranked number one, but just the pure play on that and just what I'm seeing when they do lose and how tight it's been, and it don't just seem like Miami got the stamina to just, like, continue to maintain that type of play that's going to take the knock off the Celtics. But it may end up going game seven. It may come down to like the last second and hey, we'll see how it go. It's, it's, it's a good series so far. It's a good series. Uh, on the other hand, you know, you got Dallas and Golden State on the other side and Golden State <laughs> barring a miracle. Uh, got this kind of wrapped up. This may end up being a sweep. Uh, as much praise as everybody was heaping on Luca in the last series, you know, that may be their faults in, in this one, man. Uh, Golden State is coming back up to form with everybody, you know, kind of linking up and going together. And they're, they're coming at Luca, um, just as the Suns attempted to do. But uh, they're maintaining and they're putting pressure on Luca on that defensive side. And uh, he, he ain't quite showing up as he did in, on the, in, in the other game. So, yeah, man, Golden State looking like clear cut, man. It's 3-0 right now. Do uh, Dallas manage to pull off one more? So far from what I've seen, nah. And I know. But we'll get more in depth on that when uh, Cash returns uh, next next week. And we're kind of seeing how this championship game is going to kind of pan out. And we'll make our predictions. And I'm pretty sure Cash will go on and, you know, talk his highlights about every game. So, uh, yeah, that's what we'll get into. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and switch on over to music. And let's go ahead and start with the singles that came out, man. So, uh, out of nowhere, yeah, out of nowhere we get, like, this Lupe drop and this uh, Auto Bado and it's going to be off his album that's going to be releasing next month, Drill Music and Zion. So first off, off the visuals of it, if you're listening on it, uh, you see it's another artistic type picture that he has for his album cover. And uh, that was very similar to Tetsio and Youth. And Tetsio and Youth was a masterpiece of an album to me. It's uh, loved every portion of it. So I'm already excited for what this is could be and then his single auto bottle uh chorus is kind of eh, iffy with me but everything that he continues to talk about within his rhymes and how he schemes up things uh just on full display again went right up in here so uh looking forward to the lupe fiasco drill music and zion so far uh, lukewarm on the the single that he kind of kind of dropped it didn't really you know just light everything on fire but we're getting Lupe, and so far, Lupe has rarely disappointed when it came to an album and crafting this up and, you know, his little message. Uh, the last couple of singles, he had some singles that kind of faltered a little bit, but uh, when it comes to his albums, he's pretty much hitting them. Uh, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see here 
more of what's to come on this album and hopefully he don't drop another single i'd rather just get it all in one 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 sitting uh with his album so but we'll see how that goes so that was lupe fiasco auto bottle yeah next up we got uh deontay hitchcock and he's back with after releasing uh the the little valentine little pack that we got he got two more singles uh on here and it's called uh all my children and it got the first single is gonna be uh calling featuring big crit and Westside boogie which is a nice little vibe and like uh it's, it's more in tune with where he kind of been going with kind of like the the lovish type of little feel to it with uh come and talk to me playing in the background uh big crit Westside boogie fits it fix it the song very well uh it's a it's well put together like he's continuing to build on his catalog man Deontay Hitchcock since we uh started tuning in to him man he he hasn't like he hasn't disappointed at all yet and then on the next song he has uh all my children where he's kind of describing everything that he's kind of been doing and the evolution of his sound and kind of the direction that he's been going uh a little bit and able to put that great within the song and still highlight his versatility and things uh uh within within that space and uh makes me very secure that he's going to continue to put out other products mixed in with this i think that's kind of how he's kind of finding like you know he can touch both fan bases uh the ones who just really wanted to rap and like uh he was mentioning it some stuff in there like to quit making all the love songs he said why wouldn't you uh if you in his situation that he's going in uh you know beautiful beautiful women all the way around and uh you know loving the one that he with at the same time he ain't gonna give you an album that's full of just telling you how real he is or something like this so uh it's gonna be a mixture and i mean that may make for uh the better collective of an album so we'll, we'll see how that kind of turns out but these two pack that he got on calling my uh calling all my children yeah yeah man definitely put that in throw that on the playlist listen at it uh, check it out, uh, comment, and let us know what you think of that. And then next up, we had Saha the Prince drop his uh, single. It's called Tears, and it's going to be off his EGOT EP. EGOT stands for uh, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. It's a, it's a rare achievement where somebody... Uh, collect like has all those in once so he's trying to say he's kind of crafting uh, a masterpiece so you know he's one of a kind type of this or, or very unique I mean because what 16 people that has it but uh, as if you're a fan of Psy High of his music uh, man the guy you know he was working collaborating with Kanye West a lot he was part of that and now he's kind of distancing himself from that little label he experimented with a couple of things uh he had a song came out about a year two years ago called Ryder um and it was with him teaming up with like an app or something some little offshoot but uh, that kind of went by the wayside a little bit but his actual projects that he didn't put out man he started off with a couple like mixtape that he had released in like uh february time frame it was uh the black history uh project he had black history part one and part two where he was you know speaking a lot of truth and like 
sim very similar to uh Lupe, you know, how having the messages and stuff in his uh in his rhymes. I, I say Lupe, but I mean I know it's other people that did it, but that's kind of where he his his lane is. Uh and he was doing that and then he came out with his uh album, No Dope on Sundays, man. That is a certified classic in my eyes. I love that album from top to bottom, all the way through. And so I've been following his career and look for anything that he drops because uh, I thought he was one of the hidden artists on the Yay, and I couldn't understand why he couldn't put out more product. Could be his own writer's block or could have been the politics of the industry. Who knows? But uh, as far as this song, Tears, man, uh, with Jacquez, uh yeah, man, this one, it, it hits very similar notes and tones as the these other songs and as like no dope on sundays which i said i love so uh man so far uh this is seemed like it's it's ramping up to be a great project as well this is an ep it's only supposed to be end up being like four songs so unfortunately we're gonna get the longer play with it but i'm, I'm here for whatever uh Saha has to drop if he continues doing things like this that's very reminiscent of the no dope on sundays and then to the uh the, his bigger collective of that black history uh series that he was running so uh yeah man this this, this was a hidden one man i i definitely like this it got added to a playlist and i'm constantly playing it back to back to back uh yeah all right let's switch gears a little bit and uh we got to go back and do a little bit of cleanup on like uh some albums that had dropped uh we gave you like i said the last episode was kendrick lamar that's the new way we're gonna kind of do it if it's one of the top albums coming out we're gonna give you a full breakdown of that hopefully you'd like that style if not let us know we'll, we'll revert back to or we'll make some changes and see how we're gonna re we'll reapproach it uh but first album that we got up is uh i am god uh with the black depths and this is going to be the murder castle this is 13 tracks uh uh if you know we had uh, i am god on the on the podcast before go peep that interview but uh man just a fan of his music so I always have it on the watch list so when it drops uh you know kind of kind of get to it so i'd have had a couple of weeks now for this to sit with me and murder castle man i mean it, it has a uh, different type of production type vibe to it it's going to have the more rock heavy uh like, like production in it which uh i am god does a great job on you know still showcasing his skills and stuff on here uh he has uh the starts off with straight jacket rap. Uh, it's kind of reminding them, uh, the others, uh, the different styles within Chicago. You ain't just got all the drill and everything. You know, he, you got the rhyme sayers, you got the people who can actually, you know, just, just go out and do this. So fam, that's, that's kind of how that one kind of starts off. And then it continues on with, uh, hard bass mixed with rock productions on the murder castle. And the, the, this, this is, Entailed throughout the album, the standout tracks on here for me are Cheat Code Flows, well featuring Jr. Um, you also had uh, Murder One, where he's talking about the 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 top five, and he he says a line on there like I'm not a conscious rapper, nor am I a gangster rapper, you know, and kind of showing where he kind of like fit in and oh. Uh, how how his style kind of differentiates a little bit there in Chicago, and then the the most altered uh, last song on the album really like those man. So those are tracks I would 
uh, point you into the direction of we'll probably do a bigger breakdown with this when uh, cash comes on. But uh, and we'll do a little bit more in depth. But uh, I am God Murder Castle 13 tracks liking it been sitting with me for uh, two weeks now. Uh, one of probably my daily playthroughs. So check it out. Let me know what you think of it. Uh, and let's see what we got next. Okay, next up we got uh, Bodie James with Real Batman, and it's uh, Killing Nothing. And as you told, as we told you, like uh, kind of Bodie James, kind of off and on uh, with us, cause the the the, the style and kind of what he does, man. Uh, he don't have the he don't bring a ton of energy into the tracks. He is he has his flow. He kind of maintains there. Wordplay is is exceptional, but. When it comes to you know the mood or something like that, he he leaves he don't he don't captivate you as much with his voice and his tones and everything. So that can like kind of leave you wanting a little bit. But I think on this, that's where the production kind of helps out a little bit. And uh, man, I I enjoyed this whole project, man. I enjoyed it all the way through. Uh, so it's gonna be one of those Bodie James that I kind of keep in the tuck and. Uh, continue to listen through throughout the year he's he surprised me a little bit man but i the the, the part i just can't that's kind of hard for me to get by is just you know that 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 present is kind of gets drawn a little bit i like a little bit more fluctuations and the voices with uh my style of rap and everything so uh just just showing a little bit more energy on on the tracks and uh yeah uh so Bodie james killing nothing man uh, I recommend, but if you if you if you've been kind of on the fence about Bodie James, I don't think this is gonna do it do too much to like kind of tip you into the other direction with him. Uh, just more of what you what you've been getting before with a with a different style of production than what you've been getting from those alchemists and uh, those those type of things, man. So a uh, little bit more volume, a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more liveness to the production side of it. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, but I, like I said, I'm going to continue to listen at it. I keep it on there. Um, and then that takes me to, and then that takes me to the next album, uh, T the truth, uh, called the Odyssey. Uh, this was probably my number one listen over the past like week. Uh, I didn't listen to it several times. You know, this is not your, your super lyrical type rap. This ain't going to have the, the triple quadruple entendres this ain't gonna have your different metaphors set up but it's a vibe man it's it's a nice feeling he goes through his uh story and uh you you're right there with him you're plugged in uh t the truth also is uh i got i'm catching that he's uh the producer of this stuff too production is done very well to match the the, the style and the delivery and <laughs> go figure nobody's gonna know you better than you know yourself type of deal so uh yeah, man, I I just this album has been on constant, constant repeat, and it was like my gem of the weekend. So, uh, I would highly suggest that you go listen at this. Uh, I'm not gonna act like I discovered this. Cash uh, put me on, uh, and I kind of had it in the back burner. Like I said, we had the the big album last week, so we kind of went in depth, and uh, I'm I'm kind of glad we did. I, I'm glad I didn't kind of rush into this when I had a little bit more time to be laid back with it and actually, you know, feel uh, appreciate the music a little bit more. So uh, my standout tracks for this one would be 
no apologies, confession, uh, what's worse. And the number one I would recommend is a round table. So go listen at that. Go check that out. It's uh, 12 songs, 30 minutes. Uh, doubt that you'll be disappointed. Uh, I, I surely wasn't. Uh, definitely going to keep checking what T The Truth has coming out next. Uh, yeah, go out and, and let us know what you think of that album as well. And uh, that's going to kind of wrap it up. I ain't trying to stay uh, too long. I kind of tried to do a good little mix up in here with the sports music. Uh, we'll get deep back into it when Cash returns for a regular episode uh, next week. So uh, until then, we out.